Mic check, mic check, what's going on? Welcome into another episode of the KZ Community Beat. I am your host, Ross Martinez. Episode 48, and in the hot seat this week, all the way from Lutheran Social Services, one of their therapeutic foster care resource workers, I have Adrian Cottle here in the hot seat. Welcome. Hi, thank you. All the way from uh, Joliet, right? No, I'm actually in West Peoria. Oh, um, yeah. We do have some people um, up around the Chicago area that we're based in Des Plaines. So talk to me about uh, Lutheran Social Services and what you guys are all about, what programs you have to offer, because this is like the first time I'm hearing about it. So Lutheran Social Services in Peoria is actually working with kids who um, have come into care through DCFS. Um, We work with families to try and provide services um, for things like uh, drug treatments, um, parenting skills, domestic violence, um, those sorts of things, counseling. Um, what makes my program a little bit different is that we're specifically working for kids who have gone through trauma and have some emotional behavioral issues. So rather than um, putting them in an institutional setting, we try and put them in families who have been specially trained to deal with those kinds of problems and keep them out of an institution so that they can keep that family tie and, and mm-hmm. that sort of a, an environment. And we were talking off mic about this program has run in different cities, but mm-hmm. is now opening here in Peoria. Right. We're relatively new here in Peoria. Um, we've had offices in um, the Pe- in the Chicago area that have been um, running this. But we're based out of a group called Treatment Foster Care in Oregon, and they've actually been doing work all the way back into the 1980s. Oh, it's been a while. So we're partnering with them. They have a lot of great research behind them. Um, it's new for Lutheran Social Services, but they've worked with other organizations. And actually, their group reaches out as far as Australia. Oh, it has a wide reach. Yeah. So a bunch of different children across the world are right, benefiting from are this. So what is a, because I was doing the research on it, we were talking about a therapeutic foster parent. What is that, and how does that differ from a regular foster parent? Is there a difference at all? There is. Um, A traditional foster parent would go through something that we call pride training, and that's sponsored by by DCFS, and that um, gives them their license to keep a child in their home, or they can have more than one child in their home, depending on how much space they have for that. Um, A lot of our traditional foster parents are also family members, so, you know, maybe an aunt or an uncle or somebody like that. Um, But we do have people that are just fosters for whoever needs a place. Hmm. Um, The traditional fosters usually will keep them a longer period of time because we're trying to allow for the biological parents to go through those counseling courses and deal with the court system and all that sort of thing. Ideally, we'd like to return them back to their biological parents. Um, if that's not possible, then we look at other options for things like adoption. But we really would like to be able to rehabilitate families and put them back together. With treatment foster, it's a little different in that um, our parents keep those kids for about nine months. And our treatment foster people, in addition to pride training, also have special training for our program. It's um, working with kids who maybe haven't had a lot of praise in their lives. 
So we want to really encourage good behaviors, and they're rewarded for good behaviors. So what are some ways you instruct and teach these um, therapeutic foster parents to cherish children and show them that type of comfort and, and support? Well, one of the things that we do, and this seems like a small thing, but it can be a big thing for a child, is they have charts that they go by. And anytime a child does something good, they get a sticker for it. So let's say the mom tried to get a child out of bed and they didn't grumble and they just got out of bed to go to school. That's a sticker. Oh, you had cereal today and you put the bowl in the sink. That's another sticker. And Reaffirming then they, positive actions. Absolutely. And then they work towards prizes at the end of the day. Um, and for the older kids, it might be something like a privilege. So... You get to go to the football game this weekend or, you know, something like that. Um, our treatment foster parents only take one child at a time. Um, and while they can still have biological children in the home, we want to have that child who's placed with them have their own room and just an opportunity for a little bit extra um, attention. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, like, in my life, whenever I, I'm 34 now, but if I do something, I like to show it off to the people I value most of my life. Mm -hmm. I'm like, look what I did. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. And that positive, it still goes as an adult where if I tell you something, you give me that little positive oomph, I want to do a little bit better afterwards. For sure. And I always think about the kids who might have been told that they're bad for long periods of time and kids that have had things happen that, you know, their self-esteem has gotten really low. Getting those mm -hmm. kinds of praises are huge, mm -hmm. you know, and that's kind of a, a big part of our goal is we believe that kids who feel like they're doing the right thing have better self-esteem that reflects in emotions and behaviors. How do you instruct parents to understand that it's a process? For someone that has lived in survivor mode or in has just been raised through trauma, right? Right. It takes time to build that trust, to build that support, to feel comforted, but also safe. Right. So how do you instruct parents that... Hey, it might not be overnight. It may be nine months. Right. And a lot of that they actually get in the pride training because what they have um, for pride training is a six-week course that they meet three times um, a week. And this is prior to the children? That's prior to the TFC program. So all foster parents would go through that part of it. Hmm. Um, for TFC, then we're looking at, okay, you have kids that maybe go beyond that let's imagine some scenarios we also have um, set up with RTSC parents that the foster parents meet once a week and then they can kind of share notes with each other so um, gee my kid isn't doing this and I've really been trying to work on it and you might have another foster parent who says well we went through that and this is how we dealt with it so you have that hands-on background as well building the community absolutely so you said this program has been running since uh, the 80s, right? In, in Oregon it has, in yes. Oregon. Here in Illinois, um, it started, I guess, two years ago in Chicago. We're relatively new here in Peoria, kind of trying to get our footing and, and find some good families to really get going with it. So clearly there's been success over the years for it to 
continually grow into other mediums, markets, and, and communities. What are some successes that you've seen throughout the program that you're hoping for here in Peoria to catch fire on? Right. They, they've they shown a lot of success in um, reduced rates of juvenile delinquency, reduced rates of incarceration, um, higher rates of graduation from high school, lower rates of teen pregnancies. So if you can kind of think of the different ways that teenagers can lose their way. Mm -hmm. Those are things that we're trying to focus on um, by giving them more confidence and just have them feeling more a part of their communities. Um, We also try to encourage our foster parents to get the kids involved in extracurriculars Mm -hmm. because then they have additional mentors in maybe a coach or a music teacher or somebody like that. And they're getting out with other kids that might be more positive influences than kids that they've been around in the past mm-hmm. where they've gotten in trouble. When Yeah, when I was younger, my mom and father had me in every sport known to man. I was in chess club and um, did karate, but I failed at that. <laughs> but I've had social network opportunities because mm-hmm. of that. Right. And... It tired me out, too, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So I wasn't as wound up when I was home. Mm-hmm. Um, has the program evolved through the years, or has it been, oh, no, this works, so we're just going to keep it going? Well, one of the, the really great things about our team in Oregon is they are constantly doing research. What's working? What's not working? What can we improve on? They've done a lot of peer-reviewed studies um, and things like that, and we're in contact with them. Um, every two weeks. So I have a video conference with those folks, super nice people, Mm -hmm. and really have a heart for the kids that they work with. Um, And they're there for our questions. They're there for any kind of assistance that we can get. Um, And they're constantly just trying to improve, trying to improve. So when I first came on board, they had me go out to um, Albany, New York for a couple weeks. Mm. And I worked with other people who were um, new to the program. My team leader got to go out to Eugene, Oregon, and that's where her training was. Um, But then we get to interact with people from other organizations who are actually doing this kind of work too. Um, In a couple weeks, our um, Lutheran is gonna be having our TFC People come up to the Chicago area and we're going to meet as a team as well. Um, we try to share as many ideas as we can with each other in addition to the research-based stuff. How long have you been a part of uh, Lutheran Social Services? I've only been there about a year, so I'm relatively new. I started out as a caseworker working with foster parents and um and biological parents and kids, and then I moved into this program. So what led you into working under this program and to be a social worker and and, and just keep going with it? Well, you know, I had a a strange way of getting here, to be honest. I was an English major and taught for many, many years um, in colleges. And colleges have kind of cut back, and there were some issues with trying to get jobs that were, you know, self-sustaining. So Mm -hmm. I ended up um, looking at other avenues that were still helping kids, helping, you know, young people, because that's kind of where my heart is. Um, With an English background, I feel like I have a pretty good communication um, background as well. So um, as far as writing letters and talking to people and all that 
kind of thing. I feel like that's one of my bigger strengths. Mm. So um, while I didn't have so much of the social service background, there certainly are people who do, and we try to complement each other in that way. Um, my team leader has been in social services for a long time. That's been where her heart is. She's worked at a variety of places, too, and I think that we get to bring um, our past experiences in, and that's something that hopefully we can help benefit the program. Yeah. Speaking of past experiences, you know, the years teaching in, in colleges and seeing, you know, almost adults mm-hmm. in their peak or, like, kind of growing up to now working with younger youth, right? Right. Has there been any similarities or, like, things you kind of piece together, like, oh, okay, I see kind of where things happen? Yeah. Um I moved here a few years ago from New Jersey, and I was teaching um, in the Newark area, which is a pretty poverty-stricken area. Um, I've had kids who were homeless who were trying to go to school. Um, I had one boy who told me he had been really active in sports, and he'd gotten all of these trophies, and mom lost the lease on their apartment, and had put things into storage and lost the lease on that, and he lost all of his trophies. I've had kids come to me who were um, dealing with emotional issues, tragedies in their lives, those sorts of things. You get a heart for kids, and it doesn't really matter how old they are. You know, you just want to be able to help them in any way that you can. Of course. You know, we're adults, so we've we've lived the life so far. We're living life. We've lived through traumas. We lived through disappointments, shortcomings, all that. We have our own ways of getting through things. What are some coping mechanisms you've seen in youth throughout the years that they use to just, because they're younger, they still haven't realized life is going to hit you on the chin and you're going to have to keep moving. Yeah. So what are some ways you've seen positive or negative? Um, you know, finding someone to talk to I think is super important. When I was teaching, I kind of would tell my kids, you have an issue, I'm concerned with you as a person. And so sometimes I would get tied back after class because somebody had a tragedy or um, just was overwhelmed. And sometimes kids just get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, school is really tough right now or um, something's not going well with my social life or something like that. I think that if they can find the the right adults to talk to, that's huge. Um, And I think peer support can be good too as long as they're hitting the positive kids that can make a good impact. When that's not happening, yeah. sometimes things go awry. My grams always had a saying, uh, show me the five people you're with and I'll tell you who you are. The the Your five most inner circle people have, dictate a lot about yourself. For sure. Um, I have a very strong unit now and it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love them. They give me the benefit of, hey, I could call you at noon or two in the morning and i got a vent if you're up right they let me um so with lutheran social services you're providing that comfort zone for somebody that's the goal um you know our kids can talk to our social workers if there's something going on and when they do visits they will talk to the kids and say how are things um because we want to hear from the kids as well as from the adults just to Mm -hmm. see how they're um getting along in the system with all of that. Um, With our program, one of the other things that um, we try to do is the kids who are taken out of an environment that maybe not 
is the greatest. They get a fresh start when they're with a new family in a new school district and some of those things. So let's put away what happened in the past and try to focus on the present and the future and how we can move forward. No, of course. I think we understand that a fresh start sometimes isn't always fresh. We still carry baggage and, and emotional trauma with us. Right. Um, besides providing the comfort zone and mentorship, how difficult have you seen it for some kids to pick up? Like, no, this is a safe space now. Because it, you put somebody in a corner for so long, it, it's very difficult for them to trust. For sure. You know? And sometimes there are behaviors that will come out because they've gone through those kinds of things. Um, language can be a big deal. This, even yelling because that's the only way that they felt like they've been hurt in some families. Um, depending on the kinds of abuse, sometimes there's some physical things that manifest from that if they've been physically or sexually abused. Um, so a lot of those things, it's time and patience and just extending love, making a child feel a part of a family. Um, and those are the things that we really emphasize is love our kids, make them feel like they're in a place where they're safe and they feel like they're they're being nurtured. So as we talk about providing that safety, that nurturing, those are qualities of individual. Mm -hmm. um, but what other things do you look for in somebody that is open to the idea of becoming a therapeutic foster parent? Like, what are some qualities they need to have before getting into this? One of the things we emphasize is the sense of humor. Why is that? Um, you know, honestly, if you're so serious all the time, I think that kids are a little unnerved by that. And sometimes Oh, you're like kids, the rigged adult that is just like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes kids do something goofy, and you're better off just laughing it off than getting crazy about it. Um and so that's one of the things that, that we emphasize, a sense of humor. Um, you know, clearly we want a nice, safe home um, and all of the things that go with that, the room that they would have, and we go through a safety check and that sort of thing. Um, a lot of our foster parents have raised kids of their own. It's fairly common for people who are empty nesters to take in foster parents. Oh, you've seen a lot more of that. Actually, the average foster parent is 61 right now. Really? And what, what is that, like the psychology behind that? It's just empty nesters? You I think have it's to show a lot love? of empty nester stuff. And I've had people reach out saying, well, I raised my kids and shoot, I'll take another one. You know, <laughs> and that's kind of their thinking with it. They just miss having kids in the house. Um, and... You know, they're bringing all that wealth of experience because they've raised kids and they've gone through it. Um, a lot of people have kids of their own and they just think that they can take on another one and, you know, what's one more kid and we can provide a home for somebody who needs it. Um, those are good qualities. I look for just kindness. If I feel like I'm interacting well with them and we're clicking, then I, my hope is that that will happen with the child, too. That's not a mask. That's, that's how they are. That's how they are. You <laughs> yeah. know, you're really trying to um, to connect. And I asked them, you know, why did you want to get into this? And our program does pay more than a lot of foster programs. So there's some people who are, um, they're lit in with the money. 
because we do pay um, $3,100 a month as opposed to about a little over 500, I think, for regular fosters. And so it can be an, an additional job. And if you have people who kind of already have a heart for care for people, but they still need that income, that's an option too. A lot of caring people are working in caring kinds of jobs. So we look for some of those kinds of people, somebody who, um, who has a heart for kids. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've taught or they've you know, led a youth group or they've been a coach or something like that. Although that's not really a, a requirement. It's just something that's kind of good to see. We want to see people who just really are there for the kids and want to give them a good place to be. Now, that point, it brings up a question in mind because, I, you know, sometimes you'll see in media, you know, the, the, the negative of foster care system and how some people only get it for the money. Mm-hmm. How is your process of weaning that out, making sure that that's not the main component and it's actually to provide comfort and safety for the foster child? We do a lot of interaction with our families. Um, with this particular program, um, we're doing, we have um, opportunities for our families to call 24-7. Oh, you have a 24-7 line. We do. Okay. Um, and so that goes to a real person. They don't get a recording. Um, so if they're having some kind of an issue, we want to know about it, um, not just read about it later or find out the next day. So that's one of the things in the process of getting people licensed. I'm in and out of the home fairly often, just kind of in addition to filling out paperwork, just how are you in the process? How are you feeling when they're in a training? I check on them and see how that's going um, because we want to make sure that the people who are going into these pro- programs are there for the right reason, that they really are still engaged and care about what they're doing. Um, and if they feel like they need extra help, we're there for that too. Mm-hmm. Um, we also are providing counseling for the kids so they would have a skills coach, for instance, who they would meet with once a week. They might take them to a restaurant and talk about the right way to interact with people at a restaurant or ways to um, deal with kids on the playground, that sort of thing. Then we have another um, counselor who is a traditional counselor who's working with the kids, and then our foster parents meet as a group. So we really want to give a lot of support, and we want people who are in wanting to engage in that kind of work. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why our stipend is a little bit higher. We're asking a little bit more from our people than what a traditional foster would be asked of. Although traditional fosters are, they're working hard and they're doing great work too. Ours is just a little bit different. It's more focused on the uh, therapeutic aspect of it, of, of providing that ability to feel safe. Right. Now, with, with successful pairings and matches comes unsuccessful pairings. How does Lutheran Social Services handle that when a child and a foster parent just initially, it looked like it was going to work, but it just wouldn't for whatever reason? If it's not working, then we're not going to keep a child in that home. We usually ask for a little bit of um, lead time to try and find another home, and then we'll place them in another home. Um, we hope that it doesn't come to that because clearly we want everybody to be, you know, in a great situation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people just don't click for whatever reason. And um, so then we find other 
other situations for the kids. And if it's an issue of personalities and maybe it's a good foster parent, but they just didn't click with this particular kid, then maybe another child would be a better fit. Mm -hmm. Or if they just aren't really working out as a foster parent, maybe they need to look at other ways that they could help kids if that's where their heart is. Yeah. So it's different. You can still do things for kids that doesn't involve having them in your home. And I think that um, some people, you know, foster parent is a great opportunity to work with kids. It's not for everybody, and we acknowledge that. And for those that are listening to this episode or have done the research into looking into it but are hesitant to jump in, what message would you have for them? We need you. Um, we have kids that really need some loving homes. And if there's anybody out there who's thinking about it, I am more than happy to talk to you. Um, if you go onto the LutheranLSSI.org website um, under therapeutic foster care, you can give your contact information and I'll get back with you. I um, am more than happy to talk with people on the phone. We'll meet in person. Um, I want to give you as much information as I can so that you can make an educated um, decision on this kind of work. But um, we are definitely have kids that are um, needing homes. Our traditional foster kids are also needing homes. Um, so if you have any kind of a heart for it, please, please reach out. Okay. I love that. And um, I always, before wrapping up the podcast, I always like to ask individuals that come into this studio and sit down with me what their why is. So for you to get involved in this organization, yeah, it took a little redirecting in life path, mm-hmm. but you're here now mm-hmm. and you're passionate about it. I can see you, you smile on certain aspects. I can see your body language. Mm-hmm. You, you care for what you do. So what and why do you keep pushing forward? Because kids need us. And I think that our foster people, our workers, anybody who's organized in our organization or doing this kind of work has that heart for kids. Um, Certainly, gosh, if we can put together a family that's broken for whatever reason, what a wonderful thing that is. Um, And for kids who have gone through a rough time in those situations, we want them to have a good life. And childhood is such an important part of you know, developing as an adult. So anything that we can do to help those kids, um, that's what we wanna do. Um, it's just a super important part of, of the work. All right. It's been another episode of the KZ Community Beat. I am your host, Ross Martinez, in the hot seat this week from the Lutheran Social Services, uh, one of the therapeutic foster care resource workers, Adrian Caudill. Thank you so much for stopping in. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, one by quick, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's what good conversation to get you. <laughs> this has been episode, what are we at, 48 now? Ooh. Go back, check out all the other 47 episodes. If not, me and Adrian will come to your house and sing We Are the World. We appreciate you. Bye.